clicked in when I was like watching Chicken Run because Philip, I remember watching this when we were in elementary school during like a snow day or something. Which Bridget, I don't know if you know what a snow day is, but you just don't get recess. Um we've had ice storm days, but oh. we had to go home because we didn't we didn't have salt trucks. So yeah. oh died. yeah. Yeah, that happened down here. They don't a substitute teacher day. Oh oh I suppose you snow day you mean like a day when you're not at school. So I, I think no. we watched this in school a few times too. Yeah, I was thinking about like when, you know, it's too cold to do your recess, which is pretty rare. Like I feel like typically they oh, would spread yes. this out, like come hell or high water. But like I was like watching it and I was like, man, like they're really, they really be killing these chickens. <laughs> like, I was like, this is kind of like a lot. But I did, I will say like right before we hopped on and I'm going to try to throw some of them in, but you guys probably saw them too. There are so many like fun facts with this movie being like the first claymation where it's like, I'm sure you guys read where it like took a hundred hours to like make one chicken feather or something like that. So like this movie is amazing. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about it. You can intro us, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to intro <laughs> us right away just to get people up to speed. Um, so welcome, welcome to the Thodcast conversations about animation. It's been a little while. The morbid winter depression is abating uh, a bit, and uh, it's been a very mild February up here so far. So, hey, uh, thanks for joining us on the Thodcast. Um, and I'm your host, Philip Elke, uh, podcasting from Minnesota, as I mentioned. I'm joined by former Minnesotan Jody Pulaski in georgia hey how's it going it's going great this is my first podcast since popping out a baby so i'm super excited to be back i've been kind of keeping up with the last couple episodes and you guys have done some movies that are super exciting um but i'm excited to come back on this classic chicken run from 2000s with you and bridget well yeah and i there's probably no such thing as a former minnesotan either so it's maybe not fair to uh, label you such but uh, yes, uh, returning to the podcast uh, from the recent run of episodes, uh, well, most recent, I've been negligent in recording. <laughs> I haven't been feeling well. So, But uh, yeah, Bridget, thank you so much for coming back to the show. And uh, also in Georgia, got the, the little podcast enclave down there. Uh, maybe I'll join you one day where the weather is just not uh, inclined to dip below 40 degrees. Um, uh, I mean, anything under 70 for me is kind of iffy. <laughs> but, uh, oh, any, any, anything under 50, I'm like, mm, that's cold. I don't know that. Like, our mornings have been in the 30s, and then and I'm like, I don't love this. So like, my husband goes and warms up my car for me in the morning <laughs> before I leave. And you, you tell the kids, hey, kids, school's canceled, stay home. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that would be nice so I don't have to drive, but then that would be the rest of my day being absolute insanity. So for my sanity, they always have to go to 
Texas and Puglia, August kindergarten. We're so close. We're so close. <laughs> Jody's like, yes, I am starting. So far, but did you watch and run with your kids? Like, did you rewatch it with? I watched it today with my dad, and prior to hopping on, there, I had messaged you both. My dad has a podcast and camps, but I'm guessing if you watched it with your kids, they weren't making similar comments. So I actually watched it when she wasn't here, but Oliver was not interested. I think I think he's very like he doesn't love movies very much. I have to like strap him down with like cords and cables and things to get him to want to watch something. He's just stubborn. He's like, no, I want to watch Dewdrops or PJ Masks on Netflix. And I'm like, you're watching Toy Story and you're going to love it. Um, I did that one day. He did not want to do it, but it's fine. But he would like every now and then he'd come in and he'd just watch. Like when they were doing the the chicken training, like the Taekwondo. And he was like, he just watched for a couple minutes and then he'd leave. He did miss uh, the butchering of the chickens though. I, I'm telling you, I also forgot about that. And I watched it. I actually watched it again today while I was working just for fun. Um, and I was like, man, they really like first couple minutes in. They're like, all right, someone's got to die. And I was like, I don't remember this part. But I mean, it did come out in 2000. So I was like nine. Is he so like a, a, he's not a rare unicorn who isn't just mesmerized by screens by chance, is he? So if that's um, the case, then then you really lucked out. <laughs> he has a very specific thing. He like goes in spurts where he watches certain things, but my he's discovered YouTube kids and he loves to watch people play Minecraft. Yeah. That's his current thing, but some of them are so annoying. And I'm like, I want I every now and then I'll like put it back on the TV. I'm like, yeah, you know, for my sanity, if I need a break from him being up my butt. I'll be like, oh, yeah, you know what? You can watch a Minecraft video. But then he, like, he always takes it for granted. And he's, like, sneaking back, like, watching cat videos and things. And I'm like, that's fine. But all this stuff that you watch is really annoying. So the, the like, mind of a four-year-old is weird. And, I mean, Chicken Run is, like, stop-motion claymation. So it's really not everybody's cup of tea. I will say I don't typically like this style. For some reason with Chicken Run... And all the details that are in it and the storyline, I feel like I love that. But I've watched a couple other ones directed by this pair. And I don't, I, I don't know, like, he might just not like Claymation because it's not my favorite thing. I will give it a pass for this movie. But um, we've watched a couple other ones with the stop motion and and not, it's not everyone. Have you watched, have you watched like Wallace and Gromit? I've seen bits of it and I'm not sure if it's the same animation, but Doc. Dog Island isn't that kind of like this style. Well, I think Nick oh, Park, uh, yeah, who the, did the, one of the, yeah Nick Park did Wallace and Gromit, um, mm -hmm. but I don't know that he's done any of those other ones. But I know he he did Chicken Run and he did Wallace and Gromit because that's what they started with. It was Wallace and Gromit shorts. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. And then this one was like a feature, feature. length debut for them coming in. Um, yeah, him and Peter Lord. This was a yeah. Peter Lord, Nick Park are kind of the names that, uh, you know, you kind of associate with Ardman Animation and their Wallace and Gromit short films, uh, which got their start on kind of the film landscape. And then 
due to the um a significant amount of acclaim from doing those uh started getting rubbing shoulders with uh, some hollywood bigwigs like jeffrey katzenberg and steven spielberg of dreamworks uh this is a one of the movies that kind of started the whole uh legacy of dreamworks animation uh i didn't pull up like the list of dreamworks animated films but i'm not sure if this is considered part of that same like dreamworks animated canon in the way that you know uh shrek well yeah no, that that but like how um what was the most recent um wish wish was like what mm, the six, 60 Disney, yeah. 63rd disney animated feature or whatever 67 um and um but uh which what was it well i i know i mentioned it during the episode uh what uh number <laughs> wish was in the oh. disney animated canon why uh, did i think it was the hundredth wasn't this this big celebratory 100th well, it's a hundred uh, years. Oh, the hundred years. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not sure. Feature. It's like it's it's in the sixties. It's got to be sixty um, second. Yes, that's what it was. Well, so um, DreamWorks Animation's website has Chicken Run as one of its movies. So I would say it is. Was it the first? No, Ants was the first. Um, and then. Oh yeah, it wasn't the first. Prince of Egypt, and then Road to El Dorado, and then Chicken Run um yeah i mean they're definitely gonna want to claim this one because it was such a huge success when it came in i think it said that it grossed over like 200 million dollars at some point i don't know if how they how they count that if it's up till now or whatever but i mean when it came out people really loved it i sent you guys that little fun fact but people thought that it might have won like the best movie of the year which it didn't i think um there was a different gladiator gladiator did. About academy awards yeah yeah but the following year they introduced best animated film which i think was won by shrek or something like that that's mm -hmm. right yep the inaugural best animated feature was shrek in uh the 2002 ceremony for the films of 2001 uh, chicken run was released in 2000 2000 and there was a campaign to nominate it for best picture at the Academy Awards, it was not nominated, but the lack of a nomination helped um, precipitate the introduction of the best animated feature category the following year. So it, it did make a, a significant mark overall in in at least the awards uh, circuit. Um, and I, Philip, I think... you mentioned that it was sort of like loosely based or like maybe even like a parody of The Great Escape, which was like that World War II movie. And I don't know if was that a huge movie at the yeah. time. I've never seen it. It'd be strange to refer to this as a parody just because it's got <laughs> so much artistic merit. Sure, sure, sure. So, okay, we'll no, call but it like it, a loosely it, based It's song. true, though. A, a I mean... retelling by Chicken. 
I mean, yes. it's kind of a parody in the way that like the Monty Python films or, you know, the, the Holy Grail, like that's a parody of Camelot, you know, Spamalot, you know, <laughs> on Broadway. But uh, but still like, yeah, it's uh, and it's this, you know, relies on absurdist humor. Um, I recently watched the movie Brazil for the first time, which is, you know, very artistic. You know, it's it's the kind of thing that we could easily cover on this show. Just a lot of in, um, impressive visual artistry in in Brazil. Um, are you familiar with that? That was like a Terry Gilliam, Monty Python adjacent movie back in the eighties. No, I had. I don't think so. Yeah, um, the the but but very absurd. It's like a nineteen eighty four, but a comedy. And, oh, uh, <laughs> the pictures. Yeah. I, I I googled yeah. it, and it's the the pictures are interesting. I do not think I've seen this ever. Yeah. It's like a big giant baby head. I don't think Brazil, I've seen that. Well, the if the <laughs> face might be. Oh yeah, there's the baby mask. Yeah, like the it's like a no yeah, mask, like a, kind of like yeah, um, like whisper, stretching whisper this away. lady's face. Yeah, not, not whisper away. <laughs> whisper whisker of the heart. away. Yeah, whisker away. Uh, a whisker of the heart. Uh, that'll be the <laughs> the Ghibli parody eventually. Um, let's see. I somebody said that this was an Oscar nominated film, The Chicken Run, uh, on some site that I read. It might have been IMDb trivia, which was never that reliable. Not a whole, <laughs> whole lot of entries in the imdb trivia for chicken run weirdly um uh, and thankfully it was denied being nominated for an oscar apparently but people yeah. wanted it to be, and that's why they created that genre i mean it could have been nominated for any number of other things though but uh i don't i guess it wasn't i mean i would guess um you know it could have gotten like a special achievement uh but apparently did not um okay i'm nominated for two bafta and a bunch of other stuff so no oscar nominations at all i would think a score because like this has one of the greatest i mean you know i mentioned you know this being kind of technically a parody but like uh maybe just because the score is so sort of derivative of like the elmer bernstein classic Hollywood scores to films like The Great Escape, which this is mostly um, paying homage to. Uh, and yeah, the extremely famous film from the, I believe the 50s, uh, Steve McQueen. Uh, so, and then St uh, Staleg 17, another one, you know, Bridge on the River Kwai. So yeah, it's, you know, th there's so much, reference to a classic Hollywood so much that this film is indebted to overall but the fact that it was just such a monumental effort to um embark on this level of claymation um uh, filmmaking at the time a full feature film um I I can't imagine this this must have taken several years um although yeah. I yeah. It looked like they were developing the story back in 1996. Yeah. But sense. the production that it took to pull it all together, again, you guys probably saw some of the facts, but it was like 
563 puppets and 900 pairs of eyeballs and each character's eye was a different color and just detail wise this was a labor of love the production was like 400 people that were together and all these model makers and animators and artists it's so impressive how much they poured into this movie and I mean it takes some guts to kind of go out on a limb I don't know if this was the first full length stop animation movie that came out um claymation I think with the with like the plasticine hand sculpting that they do um but nightmare before christmas oh, is sort sure. of given the distinction of the first feature length uh, stop motion film there there's debate as to whether certain earlier films qualify for that you know um like category <laughs> Yeah, like uh, I don't know. There's there's a couple things that there there may be more like two D puppet animation. So I I you know, but but yeah, like to try to do something akin to like the Rankin Boss, uh, Rankin Bass Christmas specials feature length. Uh, that was what Nightmare Before Christmas set out to do, and was sort of the first to really find success with that medium um you would see sorry, james and the giant peach and chicken there haven't been that many it's such a an intense process frankly and, yeah, uh, we this... only just got the sequel. <laughs> yeah i know it took 24 years <laughs> um well so over here is that apparently they because it was plasticine and it's not very strong. Uh, they can make three to four chickens in a week to a second of the film, just one second of the film. Uh, the puppet had to be named and photographed times for one second of the movie. And that was what, hour, an hour and 20 minutes? Was it longer than that? Uh, I, I think, think like 124 is what the yeah. what IMDb says, but um, that includes credits, so a little less, but I mean, they accomplish a lot in that hour twenty four minute runtime. You know, it, it really is a great storyline and great plot. I mean, I couldn't remember all the little details because I haven't seen it since elementary school. I remembered liking it, but they really do, you know, have character development. They do have like a plot that moves along and doesn't seem boring and seems full. And the villains, well, like, what are they called? The Tweedles. <laughs> The yeah, or the Tweedleys, the Tweedleys, I think. The, no, Tweedy, yeah, like a Tweedy bird, you know, Tweedy. Like they made most of every minute. Yeah, yeah. The only, the only big critique I have from the jump is that the chickens have teeth. I think it looks very odd, <laughs> <laughs> but I just went with it for the sake of the movie. But I, I do like the story, regardless of how you know, kind of sad and morbid it is when you think about prisoners of war or comparing it to something like that. It gets kind of sad if you let your brain go in that direction but it's a pretty fun adventure <laughs> story and i mean there's a lot of comedic relief throughout the whole thing yeah uh, oh yeah well, well that's uh oh sorry <laughs> well, that's, uh, the, 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 i mentioned the plasticine um because yeah, i gotta move from the plasticine to the runtime yeah. uh, uh, uh wanted to mention that like the the models themselves um, do have the 
a, a bit of an advantage where it's just the limbs and the above the neck, you know, that are the sculptable plasticine, whereas the, the bodies are a more robust, um, uh, what, what was it? Latex. They, they've got like a latex protective coating over it and, and silicone. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not uh, quite as, you know, treacherous as trying to mold like a, a play-doh uh puppet for every single frame you know there were there were um certain components of the these puppets that had much greater structural integrity than the traditional claymation material uh but sorry bridget yeah you continue with what you were gonna say okay you're good no they were they were just solid girlies what they were um but i was gonna add <laughs> they that, that yeah they, they were thick <laughs> they were they were thick um so but apparently so i know we were talking about how it's like seemed kind of inspired by the holocaust um but apparently ginger and rocky those two chickens um were based on chickens that nick park had as a kid he had pet chickens and apparently those two were based on those chickens he had which i thought was funny i'm like you're like yeah what would happen if my chickens could talk? You know what? I think that about my cats all the time. I'm like, what would they say? They'd probably just be like, food, food. Okay, leave me alone, food. Yeah, and <laughs> like, I, I, I'm guessing they took meetings with certain Hollywood executives uh, while they were on the award circuit for the Wallace and Gromit short films. Um, I, I haven't looked it up, but I'm guessing those made it at least, you know, one of them if not all three made it to the oscars um so like they they would have been rubbing shoulders with the with the big wigs but like spielberg i think had a chicken farm himself uh so it was kind of easy to pitch him on the idea and the and he does cite great escape as being his favorite film in in some places i believe so um, if that's still currently Steven Spielberg's favorite film, then, you know, pretty impressive and a sign that I should probably check it out from 1963, I guess, is when The Great Escape came came out. I have never seen it. I can't recall if I have. Yeah. I, it feels like something that I might have watched, but I'm like, maybe I didn't. Maybe I've just, I might have seen, it's one of those movies I think I've seen clips of, but I've never actually seen the whole movie. Yeah. Sure. Uh, prisoner of war camp as opposed to a concentration camp i well i guess uh prisoners are being concentrated in this camp uh, so to speak so but my uh... dad thought that right away <laughs> as soon as he sat down to watch this with me and i thought he was just being like 70 year old vietnam vet crazy kind of. and then as every <laughs> passed i was like wait a minute my dad is onto something here well the, the, you're right. The there's the pie machine, which perhaps a more apt metaphor due to the fact that it's they're literally put into an oven at one point mm -hmm. in the film. So, ooh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's a lot. I mean, that pieomatic scene that was one of the scenes I guess that was like the big showstopper yeah. for the production. And I read that and I kind of copied and pasted it so I wouldn't forget it was like 150 separate shots 6,432 frames and like the same last four minutes but it took like 18 months to design and storyboard and film so that four minutes 
that piematic that was a huge scene so yeah <laughs> it, it uh it is quite the sort of looney tunes sequence and you know obviously any attempted verisimilitude to how a real um uh, you know automated uh pie making or food processing machine would work isn't all that relevant in you know like a animated movie for kids or you know whatever it's it's uh <laughs> there's only so much you can do to to uh you know ha have this machine function like uh well and and obviously who knows how these things work in real life you know you watch something like how it's made and i guess you get an, a general sense of like all the moving parts um but the the fact that they were able to make it as convincing as it is and as um thrilling you know it's it's mm -hmm. i mean they're they're referencing things there, there are a lot of like explicit references too which is kind of fun um you know uh, parody the the originality on display here is you know second to none but also like any great uh filmmaker you know you you want to kind of pay honor to those who came before and like in Pixar films, you know, these highly lauded uh, original stories, you know, there's plenty of references to, you know, old Hollywood and, and more, re you know, and uh, other famous materials. So like with the Piomatic, it's, you know, it's like Indiana Jones, you know, he's going through a dungeon or, a, you know, a, a, a crypt and and you've got like literally the the moment where her hat gets knocked off by the the door she reaches back to grab it that's been you know that's been a moment quoted in numerous films so where does that moment originate from is that an indiana jones i mean probably the most I've famous done and redone in other things but i'm trying to think where it it's genesis lies well, if I had to guess, it I imagine like based just what I know about like even older movies is that they usually had a lot of things like that. That was like, oh no, the damsel's gonna get her, and then the guy like swoops in really quick and like saves her before you know she gets impaled by something. So yeah. I imagine it's probably happened in like some shape or form for like you know centuries. Way at this back point. in the beginning of time when yeah. Shakespeare was like putting his like little plays up on stage, it probably started. <laughs> Back when they were all men, there was no ladies on this on the stage. You had to be saved. You were a damsel as a man. I will say to jump back, like where you're saying, like how it's made. I don't know if you guys have ever gone to like a manufacturing plant, but I know as a kid, my parents took us to like a place where they printed money. I don't know that, but like you could kind of like watch how things go through from like step one, step two, step three. And I mean, those machines and those factories they are pretty intense so they probably got a lot of inspiration from real hopefully not real chicken farms because every now and then i'll <laughs> a video on my facebook that it's like you want to see where chicken nuggets really come from I'm like no 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 i don't, no, I don't. where they come from but, but I, I, I know and i want to be blissfully aware <laughs> exactly like please do not show me that um so i've been to the starbucks plant that's like oh. out in like south augusta somewhere like out and out there and what it was pretty cool like you know um cups well so they they make i don't they don't have the cup it's like they where they actually like 
sort coffee into things. So, you know, like the little like packs you can buy, that's like, you can just pour it into like water and it makes coffee. Mm -hmm. They have those there. And so I got to like, watch it, like get put into the package and then it's sealed and then it, but it does it so fast. I was like, man, they really, you know, like, you know, it goes through and then everything gets sorted into the boxes and then they ship it out. Um, But I think they do bags of coffee as well. Uh, I went when I was in college as part of my internship and I was like, this is cool. Well, the ladies would probably love that because once they decide in the movie to switch from egg production to chicken pot pie production, it's pretty shocking that Mrs. Tweedy is like, bring out all the chickens because like she wants it all done at once when she realizes that it's gonna, well, the second time, once they fix the machine, she's like, all the, bring all of them. And um, she's like, I want to be rich now. She wants to be rich so bad. And I love (laughs) I love some of the jokes they really did get me where she's like, I'm sick of bringing in minuscule profits. And then on top of like a magazine, there's an ad tired of minuscule profits, like get rich. And they <laughs> use like the exact same verbiage that she had kind of been complaining about. And I, I usually don't like the little like side characters, but the mice or the rats, oh, yeah. they were really funny in this movie too. Great. They yeah. Good, good comp throughout great cast that was my favorite part yeah my favorite part about when like they're talking to rocky and they're like oh yeah so how many eggs do you think he's gonna be and he's like oh yeah yeah uh it's gonna be a lot i'll let you know when i pop out those eggs yeah and, and ginger's like, just like what like or something like that yeah he's really lying he was sort of like skirting the truth and yeah. it was the same with saying you know he kind of lets all the chickens know that he'll if they hide him, he'll teach them to fly. But really what he says is, I'll teach you everything I know. So he's not really lying there too. He's a real scammer. I mean, he sidesteps that truth with Ginger. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's like, huh? So you're lying about having eggs. <laughs> she's already a little suspicious. Now he's, she's like, okay, now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the he's not very bright and... Yeah, at least um, Nick, he's the smart rat. Like, he knows that roosters can't lay eggs, and he thinks he's eventually going to get one up on Rocky because, you know, Rocky thinks he's dumb enough to fool the rats into thinking that he he can lay eggs himself. Uh, but And then eventually the, the rats, they get their eggs, I guess, but then have to end up using them as ammunition at a later point, so... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Some yeah. of these animals get their hands on all sorts of things, whether it's a teapot or knitting needles and all these things. And I remember there was a movie that came out probably around a similar time called The Borrowers. And it was about these little people who live in the walls or like, I don't know if anyone's seen it, but I always loved that when they would take something like a thimble but they're using it as like a water bucket or something like that I think those are lots of fun there's a scene where all the chickens are sort of celebrating and having this big dance party um and they put up those Christmas lights and they really make it a club I guess and I always I always liked that and I always liked you know seeing things be repurposed that way I don't know if you guys ever made like fairy gardens or anything like that growing up but I always thought that was really whimsical well, that's what I liked about the rats when he was like, oh, yes. He was like, this is a hat from France. Voila, that's <laughs> French. And I was like, oh, yes, a, a badminton birdie. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, not only is it a, a hat for like the casual day out, but it's also, and he like flips it, 
for brides (laughs) for weddings (laughs) or and then like he's like oh yes a necklace a fancy necklace and it's like um the tub stoppers with the chain yeah and I was like because I like when I watched it the first time the other day I was like I was watching it but there was some things I missed so when I watched it again today I was like that's not jewelry (laughs) but you know what a chicken wouldn't know any better so exactly they have bird brains I was kind of (laughs) laughing as I watched I was like oh these chickens bird brains but as a, a new mom, I feel like you could also start calling it like mom brain and maybe Bridget can like <laughs> understand too. But I was like, I understand what it what it's like to be functioning on like a slightly less intelligent level. So like give these I, birds some credit because they go above and beyond when it comes to trying to figure out a way to get out of here. I'm surprised it took them so long to think about going over the fence because I know they talk about some of their plans. Like we're going to dig under, we're going to go through, we're going to this and that. It's like, You'd think, I mean, I don't know how long they've been scheming and scamming to get out of this place, but Ginger makes it sound like pretty much her whole life she's been trying to escape. It's it's quite the running gig at the beginning. Uh, yeah, the numerous attempts, you know, I didn't count them all, but uh, day, you know, days sent in solitary confinement. I, I wonder how, uh, I guess, how fertile... Mm-hmm ginger herself could possibly be given all her days spent in the coal uh bunker and and like she, she is a lot thinner than the other she's not as thin as mac but as far as the average chicken goes <laughs> well she know. might she might be one of those spry chickens because i looked it up out of curiosity because okay. you were like oh yeah she's like been trying her whole life to get out of here so for chickens to reach full maturity, it only takes 20 weeks. So she could very well have been trying to escape her whole life if she is an adult chicken. <laughs> it's I mean, not even a year. <laughs> we had a hobby farm growing up and we had chickens. And I mean, don't necessarily quote me on this, but I do think chickens have a fairly long lifespan if you take good care of them. Like I know for a fact some of our chickens were five, six years old. So I mean... This might have been a lot of days for some of them. You'd have to look it up how long they can live, but I wouldn't be surprised if like a well-cared-for chicken could live for like maybe 10 years. That might be a bit long, but they they have yeah. very nice quarters. I mean, inside these quote-unquote like chicken camp or their chicken coops, they have like <laughs> chicken beds, they have wood floors. They're not sleeping in dust. I mean, oh. I, they're having actually a pretty nice life for just laying eggs compared to like when you see factory farms these days but i can understand of course wanting to get out these chickens like compared to what your typical chicken's life is like in 2024 uh they have it uh it yeah perfectly plush uh is one way to describe it uh you know they're they're living large as in terms of like you know what <laughs> um most factory farm chickens yeah like the, the but that's i guess this uh film seems to be set in like a an earlier era you know post war uh, great britain where they didn't have factory farming probably to the extent that we do now where there's, there's barely more cubic footage in the warehouses where they grow these and keep these chickens than there are chickens themselves so uh it's uh 
it is kind of a, a humorous dynamic when you compare it to um, reality. But this movie does incorporate enough of, you know, reality to and grounding to make it appealing to all ages, I feel like, you know, teenagers, I, I think, still enjoy this, this film because there's, yeah, it deals with the reality that we eat chickens. And mm. so, <laughs> um, death is a constant looming threat over every single one of these characters who we get to know and love. Um, and like the Tweety farmers, you know, they, uh, you know, they're these arch villains from the perspective of the chickens, but really they're just kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> they're just a normal farmer. <laughs> normal, yeah. But there is like a scene where, I think it's Mr. Tweety. They do kind of grab these chickens from the throat and kind of pull them up like that. And then it switches to like a dinner table and you see the rib cage of a of an eaten up chicken. So they don't shy away from this reality for a kid's movie at all. So I think you're right, Philip. I think that keeps it kind of it would it would suck it would there's, be boring if if right you, yeah there's real threat there there's a real terror out there these big boots that come stomping and the two guard dogs that come barking there's something there's a real risk out there for the, the flock yeah it's not disney junior barnyard pals or you know, <laughs> some some yeah early childhood programming um and even still, like I would have no issues showing a fairly young kid, uh, you know, this movie. I, I don't think there's anything really overly scary uh, for, for no, kids. And like, right? Yeah. yeah, it's rated G. It, it and I mean, it's not G. graphic. Like, you yeah. don't see anything die. It's just implied. So, like, I probably, when I watched it the first time, probably did not register that the chicken was dying. <laughs> that probably did not click when I watched it oh, I mean, as a nine-year-old. I mean, I, the only thing that would have prevented me from knowing that these chickens were getting killed is not making the connection that, you know, the, the the food that I was eating on a regular basis was derived from these same animals. <laughs> um, because when you're a kid, you know, you're constantly eating chicken. That's like one of the few things. Young That's all kids. my kids eat, man. I say, yeah. oh, that and hot dogs. They don't even, they probably don't even know that hot dogs so, is just a bunch so of mixed up pig parts. So like, I, yeah. they probably have no clue. Well, I don't <laughs> know. I, I feel about like... that next. Oh, there is Charlotte's Web, the little pig, right? Chicken. They... Or are they going to eat the pig though in Charlotte's Web? Uh... There's always the threat, but chicken is There's one of those bait. things where uh, it's one of the few meats where you call it the name of the actual animal uh whereas with true. yeah so you say like ground cow you said ground beef <laughs> so it's like there's no illusion as a kid as to what you're eating oh it's chicken oh like the bird <laughs> so you someone literally had to kill a bird so that i could have my mcnuggies i wonder uh, if they get that clicks because for the longest time i lied to my kids about fish sticks i told them they were chicken sticks so that they'd eat them because i don't know what it is kids hate fish if you're like, this is a fish, and they're like, absolutely not. But if like, oh, chicken sticks. They know they're fish sticks now, but for a long time, I, I wonder if it's because when you're like, <laughs> something smells fishy, or like, ooh, it's a fishy smell, like it's kind of yucky. It's rare that you like, I mean, chicken farms probably smell very bad too, but maybe but like- But if you see a chickie, you're like, oh, chicken. Hmm. 
Like I yeah. see a fish, I'm like, oh, fish. <laughs> I mean, fish goes bad much more quickly, and yeah, it's it's kind of easier to the weird to, smell. Yeah, to mess fish up. So it, it is a dicier kind of food to prepare, but I don't know. I uh, fishing is a big part of life up where I live. You know, land of ten thousand lakes. So mm -hmm. like, I loved you know having a fish fry after going out and catching some fish. So that was never an issue for me. Um, but I, yeah, my kids I don't know. are so picky. <laughs> they love chicken now. I'm like, oh yeah, you guys need to watch this movie. This this what you're eating, chickens. But I mean, and that's what I said. It probably didn't click. Like I, I also was a picky kid, so I probably only ate chicken for a long time. But yeah, it just didn't click that I'm like, oh, these these chickens are uh, getting murdered. Yeah. So I mean, and to me, like <laughs> nowadays, you know, you, um, I don't know, point a finger in a. <laughs> not not even the middle finger just like you know how it's rude to point uh it's like you do that in a movie nowadays and you know you go from a g to a pg <laughs> that's that's how sensitive the mpa is but like that i don't know maybe they were more lenient back in 2000 when when they certified this film but i, I just think that the fact that it is chickens and it's like nobody is uh, you know, under any illusions about the fact that we kill, you know, millions of chickens a day uh, and, and that a lot of people going to see this movie are coming off of, you know, having recently consumed these animals like <laughs> that, you know, it's there's nothing all that um, perilous <laughs> about the idea of chickens dying uh, uh, um, thematically. Uh, but but the the movie is just so effective in telling its story that you do feel the genuine care uh, you know peril and the characters are are so um, you know well developed and fleshed out um, you know they could be uh, <laughs> you know they could be snakes they could be spiders they could be you know any kind of anthropomorphized uh, creature that we don't necessarily have a lot of respect for um and uh yeah that they are um given this level of humanity that makes us really care about them but you don't need to go out and rate your film you know pg if that's gonna scare away some parents because they think the material is just a bit too adult um but i don't know that i mean the fact that this movie does appeal to such a wide audience probably means that maybe there are thematic um, notions here that you, you just maybe wouldn't um, include in a, in a G rated film in 2024. Uh, but I, to me, it's like, yeah, it's, there's not even like, cursing so uh yeah yeah and i do think it's changed i guess like how they rate things because like we watched um atlantis recently and i think it was rated g and like people died lots of people die in that movie and like oliver was like scared when they're like they're like in this underwater thing and fighting this underwater monster thing and oliver was like freaked out by it and i was like 
this was G when this came out. Um, is it like is PG. Crazy. Or is it PG? Yeah, but, uh, but Treasure... still, I was like, this would not be PG now. I think Treasure Planet might be G. I think that might be the maybe the confusion because we um, watched both of but, those like yeah. recently. But yeah, but I was like, so I think really what it is is just like things I guess weren't rated as like heavily as they are now. Because like most kids, like most kid movies nowadays, at least ones that are like targeted at children, there's not really ever any mistakes. Yeah, any kind of writers are just getting lazier. Just kidding. No, I I agree. <laughs> well, that's, that's yeah. The like there's just never why. any mistakes in like the movies for kids. Yeah, I don't care about rating. Sometimes there is weird sort of incestuous overlap between you know the, the sort of studios lobbying for certain kinds of ratings and you know the fact that they will have to censor things to get a certain rating and or or they just kind of pump out trash like illumination sometimes <laughs> no. mm. I, I still haven't seen migration <laughs> i don't know yet have either of you seen migration no. I, I mean it's hung around I've for seen, so long like so many ads for it because they're using a taylor swift song for the promotion and which one migration it's like these ducks oh what is it um well no i meant the song uh i want to say that migration's out on one of the streaming apps already it's definitely out there, and I know it doesn't matter, but now I'm going to look it up. Migration, Taylor Swift song. I'm going to tell you right now. Woods, are we out of the woods? Uh, Which is a lot of popular ones, but I'm like, like, what did they pay Taylor Swift for this migration? <laughs> like the migration movie probably spent their whole budget on this Taylor Swift song, and then the remainder of the money like went to the animators. It's just, I don't think it looks good at all. But if Philip wants us to watch it, we'll watch it. <laughs> we'll watch um, I mean, it's, it's probably okay because it seems to have developed a decent reputation. Uh, and I don't know. They're like, all, all those mean, mean movies, I... like they're, they're PG and they've got a lot of kind of rude jokes in them and stuff that appeal to adults. So it's like, you know that's that that's fine so they're probably pushing to get a pg rating um to ensure that they kind of attract more of an adult audience to those i mean and, and i i know there are plenty of adult fans i think for the for the minions despicable me franchise just based on i liked the i liked the despicable me movies in the beginning I don't love the Minions very much. And we actually, we ate at the Minions restaurant at Universal. It was gross. So <laughs> it was it was very cute. The presentation in the restaurant, super cute. But the food was not. So if you guys Universal, don't waste your money at that restaurant. <laughs> it was very cute. Go in, look at it. Go, oh, very cute. And then walk out and eat somewhere else. Very um, cute. But I will be stopping at Taco Bell. <laughs> well, we I got, they had like a little like, despicable me ramen thing and i was like oh that sounds cute i'll try that no it was it was not good i was like man y'all didn't flavor you didn't see them this at all it was gross but the presentation very cute it like came in a little glass and had the minions face on it and they like pulled it up and they poured the soup over it again cute gross uh so apparently migration is out to like rent for like 20 bucks on, on amazon and stuff like that um but they said once it's like released for free it'll be on peacock 
because yeah. it's universal. How many birds? Peacock, chicken, pigeons, <laughs> or whatever they are, ducks, whatever's migrated. I think they're ducks. <laughs> Do you guys remember? You guys remember Vine, right? We are all that age. Yeah. Do you guys I remember? Know. Look, look at all those chickens. That's all I could think about the whole time oh. I was watching that movie. Yeah, there's a there's a yeah, it was a vine and it was a, a little girl and it's like a yard full of geese. And she goes, <laughs> Look at all those chickens. And that is something that has lived in my mind since I saw it like, you know, fifteen years ago or however long it was. But every time I see birds now, I'm like, Look at all those chickens. I will say geese, we had geese growing up as well. Geese are very vicious. They will chase you, they they will bite at you. They'll nip at you. So there's a part during chicken run where Ginger's like attack because I think Mr. Tweety <laughs> has caught them creating this airplane for their escape. And I looked at my dad and I said, you know, birds, they're actually pretty fierce. I mean, if you think of like turkeys and peacocks and like the bigger birds, they wouldn't be afraid to attack you. And they probably would ostriches. I mean, those are, have you seen birds. the videos of like the emus? Like people no, who have emus. But I know that birds have a vicious nature, a very protective nature. And if a if a flock of chickens came running at me, I'd be jumping right. in the hot gravy as well and swimming away because I, I wouldn't want to bug them. And I mean... Velociraptors and Jurassic yeah. Park, they're basically birds. <laughs> <laughs> they're just really big, steely birds. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like um, my brother and sister-in-law, they have chickens, but their chickens are very cute. They don't really want to be held, but they're cute. But they have two ducks. And apparently if you have a male duck, you need to have multiple female ducks, but they don't. They have one female duck and a male duck and then a bunch of chickens. And their names are uh, Cheese and Quackers. It's very cute. That's but right. The male duck is a psychopath because apparently like I watched this duck, she was like feeding them and he would like, he would like lower himself to the ground. And as she was walking away, he would chase after her and mm-hmm. she'd turn around and she'd be like, stop it. And he'd like do his, his like wings all big up in the air. Like he was like trying to like fight her. Yeah. They puff and- themselves up there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a natural thing. Um, yeah. It was so, so funny to watch. I wouldn't want to be out on this little chicken farm. And <laughs> I wonder if there's a reason why, and I guess I don't know if this is true to farms, but there is like one rooster who lives in there that the cock of the walk guy who's like from the- Yeah, the, like sergeant. <laughs> and I wonder if that's true that they always keep, you know, a couple of roosters around with, with a flock, but this rooster is very, very old and like for some reason, they thought he'd know how to fly the plane. I must have missed how they thought that because he did military stuff. But like Rocky, Rocky's the new rooster, but there's that older rooster there as well. What's um, his name? Do you guys Fowler, remember? Fowler. T.I. Fowler. Fowler. Um, yeah. yeah when I think they do that because they're territorial, like in real life, why they have only like so many roosters is because they're territorial. Mm-hmm. They're like, I want all these chickens. Please go away. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, they do do like... I don't know if they use roosters, but chicken fighting. I don't know. Isn't that like like cockfighting? Cockfighting, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I hope it's not a common thing anymore, but I, I know I've definitely heard of it. So maybe when you do put a couple of roosters in the same flock, although they made these two roosters sleep together in a bed because they didn't have enough space. Well, they did. All the female chickens were like, you can share my bed. You can share my bed. <laughs> he ends up with... um. The old, the yeah, old. Rocky literally says, uh, you know, cock fighting's illegal where I come from. So, oh, yeah, you're yeah, right. You get a, yeah, well, yeah. 
Well, I think it's the same thing with like dog fighting. I think with like the the fighting that it's illegal is that they usually like starve them and stuff. And then oh. so when they put them together, that's why they fight. Yeah, um, but I think that. I think you can have multiple roosters like within like a chicken flock, I guess, as long as you have enough for them not to fight over them. Because, yeah, they're just territorial men, animals. <laughs> I mean, as far as the demographics of the farm are concerned, uh, you know, it, it seems kind of incongruous that they would have had this whole stock of chickens for you know, months at a time, gradually cycling them out. That one at the beginning, Edwina, who gets eaten, uh, is supposedly due to the fact that she's, I, I guess she's one of the crew who's trying, constantly trying to escape at the beginning of the film. Um, because, well, they refer to the fact, I, I didn't like scrutinize whether her character model was consistently in those scenes um <laughs> but i'm guessing that they used her in those opening sequences if they later you know blame the fact that she was too busy trying to escape to uh lay eggs or the, you know the the stress of the escape uh you know was um impacting her productivity uh but uh i don't know like um with the pie machine, it seems like, well, they'd be going through, <laughs> Mrs. Tweedy says, all of them. Uh, so I guess they're just going to do a batch of pies uh, and exhaust their entire chicken coop. <laughs> um, and I guess have to consistently now ship full-grown chickens into their farm i, I suppose and i suppose if they're not harvesting eggs really now they can probably hatch their own and then up their feed and just you know like they mature within 20 weeks or so like you said so so i mean uh, that uh, logistically they're gonna have to you know come up with definitely a, a, a much different solution to what they're currently adopting for their egg uh business uh so it's I like don't know. a it's like a get a get uh get rich quick scheme she's like oh yeah we're gonna if we have all this money because we're not making it from the eggs then we can just buy more chickens and then it'll just keep feeding that we have more money we buy more chickens maybe they I can guess. sell vegetarian pies too because like they they come out with a bunch of uh non-chicken pies in that first test batch i guess you would maybe want to test it and you know if you waste a few vegetables and ingredients in the process and that's the pies look really good the they do <laughs> i'm not even a chicken pot pie person but when the gravy explodes everywhere i'm like oh that looks so good i'm hungry for a mashed potatoes and gravy like let's well, go to kfc dude so you guys would love england apparently because that's a, so my mother-in-law i love her to death she's a very british woman but apparently the only thing she knows how to make is like meat pie and shepherd's pie that's it. She only knows how to make pies. She's very, very English. Pies Are they only. good? I don't know. I don't like shepherd's pie. Oh, no. Okay. If, if you see well, her, usually whenever... I'll cook. I'll usually okay. cook because I cook more than she does. And so like, because she'll get jealous. Like she's jealous of my mom sometimes because my mom cooks a lot. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. I just was never a big baker. It just wasn't my thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but she, and... she makes the mean pie. They love pies over there. As much as this film relies on cartoon gaggery and absurdity, like I totally buy the idea that 
you know, you, you might um, up your income by building one of these machines and switching over to that kind of business model, just because that's kind of what was happening in that era, you know, the, the fifth, four, you know, late forties, early fifties uh, mechanization was becoming just such a phenomenon factory farms, you know, starting to be built more and more. And, and like the wartime mechanization to build, you know, the, the, the war machines used uh, to fight the Axis powers, like that same uh, um, level of uh, production would then be translated into just, uh, you know, ordinary items that uh, people consume nowadays. And I mean, general consumer culture uh and and the economies of the uh, western countries uh, uh, <laughs> just exploded in that in that era so yeah like uh the the fact that machines like these were being invented now meant that it was more affordable to uh to do something on this scale which uh you know, I, I imagine, you know, small mom and pop farmers like the Tweedies did have certain opportunities to really grow their business back back in the day. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you think about it, especially in that era, but like once the war was over, a lot of women were like, oh, you know, what? I don't want to go back to sitting at home. I also went to work. And then, you know, people started having frozen dinners and all those kind of things. They could have made their way right into a frozen dinner like company with yeah. their pies. No, they, they, and if they had more money, they could buy different animals to put in the pies. They, it could have been a whole business. It could have been a meat pie, <laughs> ground beef pie. <laughs> Apparently that really escalates in the sequel too. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're not going to talk about the sequel today really, but, um, uh, stay tuned. So hopefully soon, yeah. but um, I haven't mentioned it cause no spoilers. <laughs> yeah. So have you all seen it? I, I watched I've, it I've yesterday. I've seen part of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's so, all I wanted to know. Yeah, like the escape and <laughs> they build a, a plane. I mean, okay, chickens building, but yeah, the 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 fact that it's it's this wonderful piece of art, you know, this feature length stop motion claymation film in the Ardman style, and of course the chicken have teeth because Wallace and Gromit, <laughs> you know, that's just how. You know, our beloved Wallace from the Wallace and Gromit films, you know, he's got that certain look, the, you know, wide, uh, just um, wide -eyed, elliptical, the elliptical <laughs> smile, the mouth and sort of like a constipation face almost. Um, well, apparently, apparently he was based on his dad, on Nick Park's dad. <laughs> He really? was like, I'm pulling everything. Yeah, apparently uh, Wallace from Wallace and Gromit was based on Nick Park's dad. And then the chickens were based on his chickens. <laughs> little, you know, glass beaded eyes. Like just the, they wanted to capture a similar magic. And, and I mean, they totally nailed it with this. I mean, I don't know. Um, I guess just like they there was a lot of passion at the studio at the time um just trying to complete an endeavor on this scale um and i think they were pretty exhausted frankly after this was completed which is why 
kind of took them a while to get back up on their feet. And, you know, people are clamoring for more chicken run or another Ardman, you know, another quick, <laughs> but uh, I mean, this movie. It's took, not something you can just like uh, whip out a project no. like this. Principal photography began in January of 1998. Um, and I, they, they probably did a lot of hiring um, 30 sets with 80 animators, um, 180 people working in overalls. <laughs> Those here on the Wikipedia page, uh, you know, basically one minute of film completed for each week. Uh, wow. But they probably had multiple units, I'm guessing, simultaneously, um, which, you know, is why they were able to get it out within two years from the, the beginning of principal photography. Okay, production wrapped. June 18th, 1999. So almost a year and a half they were filming. Uh, so very, I mean, that's a long time for any movie. Um, so. Uh, okay. I, I looked it up because I was like, wasn't Flushed Away Ardman Animations? It was, but it wasn't Nick Park. And that was computer animated to yeah. imitate the mm -hmm. Ardman aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. They like, it was the last, I think it was the last movie they co-produced together, Ardman Animations and DreamWorks, was flushed away. Yeah, and uh, Arthur Christmas was computer animation. And so, like, I don't know, probably some of these stop-motion animators uh, taught themselves to do computer animation, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's so impressive, the, the skill set, and such so alien to me, frankly, that people have the concentration to do this um but i think i think it's just that's what art does to people it's it really motivates them on a spiritual level um and i'm guessing it seems like such a a learning curve because i know that if i were attempt to attempt to position these these puppets basically these maquettes with armature skeletons inside of them to allow them to be rigid. Um, and it's a little different here because of the plasticine uh, version of it, uh, where where it is kind of like working with Play-Doh in, in a certain sense. Um, but like the fact that these these characters look so alive, that's, that's what I really noticed when watching the behind the scenes uh, material that i saw it oftentimes these characters can just kind of look dead-eyed and inanimate if they're just standing in a neutral pose but then these animators get their hands on them and like they come up with just the most dynamic frames and like even a single frame like has seemingly so much character and intentionality in the, you know these individual puppets that that they're able to like transmute into them whereas i feel like if i were to try that you know it would take you know days weeks months before any character that i attempted to animate would even resemble something lifelike <laughs> for me it would just look like this dead zombie you know, dead-eyed zombie kind of walking around if if I did this. Like, the fact that they're able to make them feel so alive is... Yeah, is, they uh... really 
create expressions on the characters throughout. I mean, you guys probably noticed kind of like where their eyebrows would be like right above the brow line, how much that area sort of moves as they are talking or listening or watching um, things happen. It's not just blinking. Cause like you said, they would just look like these little zombies periodically yeah or maybe the yeah they would look they actually seem of... to have like facial structure <laughs> facial muscles underneath that clay that give them such a lifelike quality and i mean can you imagine how boring the movie would have been if they hadn't gone all out and given so much attention to that lifelike detail i mean i it definitely wouldn't be the movie it is today it would it would just be the it would just be the live action lion king um. Oh, goodness. <laughs> or would be kind of like Gumby. I mean, did you guys watch Gumby? Yes. Honestly, I thought about that a few times. I was like, they kind of like Gumby-esque, but obviously like better. For sure. Yeah, the, the plasticine um, molding. Or Mr. Bill, you know. Yeah. SNL. Um, yeah, so it's so like the principles of animation. I, I don't know if you how how familiar you guys are with the 12 principles of animation as pioneered by the the nine old men from disney or it might have even predated the nine old men to an extent but I, I think it really came into being with some of those early um like ollie johnston frank thomas i know um milt call walt I, I used to be able to name all of them uh what ward kimball i mean um but anyways like uh squash and stretch obviously you know it's like the first one that they list um because th that was just such a key component of um uh, making um the, the exaggerated character aesthetic of you know the classic disney and you know like the fleischer warner brothers sort of um pre-roll cartoons that, that would run in in movies you know before before the feature um and and then of course with with the you know moving the facial features to make them feel like the, these characters are thinking and and they're um actually you know breathing and um acting with intention you know that that incorporates some of these other principles like follow through and overlapping action. That's number five here on the list. Follow through and overlapping action where like you've got multiple things going on in the character model as it moves from frame to frame. I just have barely any conception as to how these animators are able to like adjust all these various things. There's got to be like at least five points of articulation that they're adjusting each frame uh, in terms of like overlapping action, you know, because it's not like you're just moving their legs slightly forward to have them take a step. There's also, you know, the their, yeah, their brows, their necks, their beaks, um, you know, their, their limbs, like, how do you possibly keep track of all of that? It, it just makes no sense to me. And <laughs> the only, the only thing is that it, it takes so long that like, it probably, you just get used to it after so many days of just eking out 
seconds at a time. <laughs> probably just, like, like probably comes like supernaturally too. Like just watching like feathers of Rocky's tail moving in one of the scenes, and I was like, man, that had to take so long. <laughs> I just think about like these husbands or wives like going throughout their whole like nine hour work day, and they come home, and their wife's like, so what'd you do today? And it'd be like, I literally like moved a chicken's foot, like that was the whole day you know it's like unbelievable how many hours they probably poured into this and can you imagine I mean it's probably super rare but they had to have made mistakes and then had to go back to that set and create that scene again I mean I'm not exactly sure how that would work how editing would work but I would like I don't know like, yeah, there, I would blow my brains out are, doing this yeah doubtlessly times where entire days if not weeks worth of animation would have to be scrapped because they would later realize, oh, we just screwed this up. This doesn't <laughs> we, make we, any sense. We cut it all. <laughs> well, no, just just uh, the fact that like somebody bumped the camera or something, you know, like so. So yeah, you would have to just completely redo an entire sequence, you know, having to basically um, waste you know days if not more uh, of work i'm sure it happens all the time in this medium um but you know th they they try to account for that as much as possible i'm sure just to avoid those kinds of extreme uh <laughs> fiascos but uh i it, it has to have happened and i mean sometimes you you run into executive meddling or but but the the notion of like um scenes that um that what am i saying um deleted scenes that's not really a yeah. thing here i don't think because like they have these sequences all mapped out storyboarded and um the animatics uh using more primitive animation so there probably aren't deleted scenes for Chicken Run, but but it that sometimes happens too in animation. It's rare, but it does happen. Yeah, well, and I've seen like you know, concept art or like stuff that was in there like halfway through, and then they're like, actually, never mind. Like they didn't maybe fully like not for stuff like this, but like regular animation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would think with like you know, it's like we have to make all these chickens. We have to have all of these face shapes. It has to do all these. Like I feel like because there's so much meticulousness that has to go into all that, that they, everything that they're doing is probably going to get used unless, yeah. unless an executive was like, Ooh, actually this isn't what you said it was going to be. But even then I'd be like too bad. That's what you get. You're I'm not building right. any more chickens. Like the <laughs> amount of like storyboarding and like detailing that's required, like prior to any type of filming is like extreme. Sometimes this goes back to kind of normal animation. Sometimes I don't like to see like, the behind the scenes sketches because for example like with Frozen like I see some of the ideas they storyboarded for it that I love that didn't like make the cut or like didn't make it I don't know if you guys ever saw like the sketches of her as kind of like a villain it's like mm -hmm. and it's like man I wish I hadn't seen that because it allows my brain to like shoot I would have off loved her to be a villain but they, they they do probably like tons of extra work when it is this claymation because they can't afford to go back to the drawing board or i mean they, they maybe they can afford it but no one wants to go back to the drawing yeah, board. yeah i mean back. they just have the story broken so thoroughly typically before they even start on the animation 
um you know but it's like art is ever evolving uh so you know you don't want to be too rigid with your work so, so that there's no room for improvisation later on if you if you happen to come up with better ideas so yeah it's I yeah mean, yeah well that's like what you were saying with the frozen stuff like there's literally there's songs on spotify that were songs that aren't in the movie there's just like oh they might have they were gonna be in the movie and then we changed our minds mm -hmm. so like they did whole songs and i assume that they probably even lightly animated some of these but they shouldn't use them <laughs> i wonder um th there was a lot in the behind the scenes video i i saw about the voiceover and mm -hmm. i'm i'm gonna wrap this up pretty soon we're probably not gonna get in the cast too much but maybe a little more when we talk about the sequel um but it seems like you know as as much as that probably wasn't nearly as time and labor intensive as the animation um the the voiceover component was a vital role because of the way the perform the vocal performances inform the animation performances um and and the characters of these chickens um yeah yeah the well i was did you watch any of that stuff no did you watch any yeah of that stuff? yeah i i actually i got video that you had shared with us yeah. i did get to watch a good bit of it but I, so when I watched it, I didn't look up any of the cast and I was, I was like, man, that guy sounds like Mel Gibson, but I was like, but there's no way they got Mel Gibson for this movie. And then I watched that video and it was Mel Gibson. And I was like, ah, I knew it. I knew it was Mel Gibson. <laughs> um, well, and because like, so he apparently was the only person in the cast who um, did their voiceover work in the U S everyone else was, was in the UK. That, Cause they all have their little accents. Mm -hmm. They're all British actors except for Mel Gibson. And he was so, the only one to do his lines in the US. Huh. That's cool. That makes it even more authentic. I love that. Well, is it where's yeah. the animation studio based out of? Do you know? Is it I think it's the UK. Um oh, okay. okay. Well, yeah, at least when they were doing it back then. Is in Bristol, England. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think um some of the uh lines between like Ginger and Rocky were recorded with the two of them together they they really like do try to get the cast together as much as possible but you know logistically that's not all that practical to do very often um but you know this this movie got a pretty decent um you know financial backing from from large studio large some larger studios like like dreamworks pethe um but then um i think they make reference to recording the pair uh was well, what's her name um jenny uh julia, julia Sawala. Yeah, yeah um i think she recorded some lines with mel in vancouver if i'm not mistaken that kind of makes sense like <laughs> the neutral territory of canada where they would go and uh, record some of the dialogue but um yeah, so I and that this must have all, almost all occurred prior to the uh, principle of photography in '98. Um, so I mean, I, I'm guessing this is like a early 1998, if not late 1997. You know, Mel Gibson and and Co. doing the line recordings. Um, 
So, I mean, obviously weird to think that these uh, lines were just sitting in uh, a can, you know, for, for three years before then getting, uh, you know, introduced on a big screen. But uh, I, I, I don't know, like uh, Mel Gibson was certainly no less relevant in 2000 than he was in, you know, 97, 97 you know, whenever they did the casting. Um, Julia yeah. when, Sawala, I, I'm not sure really what, what, yeah. I, so the only people, when I looked at the cast, Mel Gibson, I knew, uh, the only people I really noticed was Imelda Staunton. She was Bunty. She was like the big red kind of angry chicken. Um, so she was Umbridge from Harry Potter. So oh, that's really? where I know her from. Yeah. She's Umbridge. Wow. Um, so I know, I knew her and then Timothy Spall, he wow. was Nick the Rat. He was Nick the Rat, but he was also Scabbers. And yeah, he was Peter Pettigrew in Harry Potter, but he was also, he's been in a hundred things, but he was an Enchanted as the bad side. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. I know who you're yeah. referring to now. Yeah. Like those are like those three people are really the only ones I recognized. Timothy Spall. <laughs> he's got such a great voice. I could hear him he read does. the phone book. Yeah. Well, and he, uh, I'm like, I'm yeah. a, he's like a very nice man, but I'm you play such a good villain. You should just always be a villain. Great villain. I mean, honestly, Imelda Staunton, too. She's an awesome villain, too. I think she was in, um, what is it, Downton Abbey. She was in that, and she wasn't, I mean, she was more likable than Umbridge, but not a lot. Do you know if typically, you guys, I feel like, might know this, when people go in to do their voiceover work, are they in a room together or is someone going in? I don't know if you've ever seen behind the scenes. Are these people sort of chatting with each other, feeding off each other? Or are they just like in a stall, reading their lines and like leaving? Do you know what I mean when they all come yeah, together? Like I mean, the latter. I think it depends. Uh, yeah, the, the latter scenario is just so much less costly mm. and, and easier to logisticate due to scheduling. Um, I wonder but, that with shows like Family Guy, where they have like a million seasons, there's got to be a point where these people are like, okay, like I will come in on my own timeline and it's just cheaper to have like one stall. But I, I guess I, yeah. I wasn't sure. Generally, I think well, for shows like Family Guy, they did try to get the cast together as much as possible. Um, I, I think with a lot of Western shows, that's, that is sort of an ideal scenario, but they, there perhaps are stipulations on the part of certain actors especially once they reach a certain point of clout and fame that it just gets to be very practical for them to um record with you know to to, to schedule them for a group record so like i don't know mila kunis and that's who i was yeah. exactly thinking of because i was like she has so many other projects going on or i'm picturing mel gibson i didn't realize he was the only one who filmed you yeah. know kind of separately in the u.s but i'm like how did they, you know? They, yeah, they love to get them together. It's just not that easy to do. And since it's animation, yeah. you can just kind of splice things together as much as you want. Yeah, well, and I actually, I literally just watched um, the girl who did the voice of Tommy Pickles from Rugrats. She was on the podcast with the girl who was Ren Stevens. I can't remember her real name in real life, but I was watching her and she said with Rugrats, at least in the, you know, the, beginning especially the beginning years she was like they always always would do it together uh, at least like the main babies like the one who did Phil and Lil that was one person 
Chucky and then Tommy would always do it together. Um, and she said they really did like for a long time, but then with COVID they couldn't. And so she was like, she said now, like, unless they like make an effort to like get together, cause you know, they're all like, they've been doing Rugrats and other voices for the last 30 years. So they're bigger in the voice acting world. And so she was like, a lot of times I just do my lines at home. Like I have my own booth studio in my house. I do my lines at home and then I send it yeah. and they put COVID it in the shows. COVID yeah. Stuff. And which, Chris, I mean, yeah, I guess Christine if you've been doing it for 30 years, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was like, if you've been doing it for 30 years, I'd be like, I want to sit at my house and do it. to my sleep now. <laughs> yeah. It'd be kind of weird if you didn't have a home studio after being in the business for that long. Uh, so yeah, so many of them do. Uh, or wait, no, Christine Kavanaugh's Chucky, Elizabeth Daly's Tommy. I don't know if you were talking about Yes, that. you, that's who I was Tommy talking about. Chucky? I couldn't remember okay, her real yeah. name. It was Tommy. Oh, Tommy. Yeah, because the original Daly. person, okay. the original voice of Chucky, she actually passed away. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, and so they had to raise her. Um, but I think Phil and Lil, they're the same person. Um, and then I, th- I think Tara Strong, I think she's in it, isn't she? Uh, or she was at some she point? plays dill pickles uh okay. Di- yeah okay I, that's... I thought she was yeah tommy's little brother okay okay um, i knew she came in at some point but i knew she wasn't tommy <laughs> yeah she came in in 97 uh the show started i'm guessing um the early 91 i think year i'm seeing is 90 91 yeah the year i was born it's oh, a great yeah. year um <laughs> well thanks guys for I mean, this has been such a blast from the past. This movie was just one of those regular rotation films for me uh, because it it has just so much texture. Um, and I, I just never got... Yeah, it's kind of like a Pixar, you know, Toy Story. It It is some, a monumental achievement and, you know, uh, grossed a lot of money and was very successful. Uh, but, you know... It, it, it's kind of a rare treat and <laughs> easy to talk about, frankly, because uh, mm-hmm. I've seen it so many times. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm guessing it's maybe a similar case for for you guys and for people listening that uh, hopefully you're, you're fairly intimately familiar with this film, just from it being such a a classic and. Um, you know, so, so when you're a kid, sometimes it's hard to um, <laughs> to come up with kid appropriate, you know, material to to just um, you know, uh, what what's the word I'm looking for? Cozy up in front of the the TV to watch on like a, a day when you're home sick from school or on a snow day or you know, for the substitute teacher to put on or whatever. So uh, this this was definitely one of those um, perennial uh, op- uh, op- options <laughs> for, for me, at least. I think it aged well, too. Like, there's some movies that I've watched, like the first Toy Story, mm-hmm. um, that I've watched, like, recently that I was like, oh, wow, that animation looks not great. But this, I was like, this movie looks fine. And then I watched the second one and they look like the same movie. So I'm like, yeah. it aged really well. The writing in Toy Story, I would say, is still is still top notch. Uh, oh, yeah. But, no, it was yeah. just the animation. It was real yeah. wonky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, the, like, you know, you, you got your illumination films and a lot of it's fart jokes and pop references and, and memes. And it's like, <laughs> yes. this is going to be irrelevant in 20 years. Uh, but yeah, the, these kind of classic Hollywood homages and evoking things like World War II. It's just, it's, it's like seeing history uh, play out in front of you. And uh, there's, yeah, there's so much rich, rich texture, like, yeah, modernization, you know, themes of modernization, themes of uh, spousal abuse. I don't know. <laughs> uh, they said trauma, but make it palatable for children. <laughs> uh, I think my a line that really got me, there are a few moments where I laughed out loud, but I think they're mostly visual gags. But I think my favorite line reading uh, during the film was, Mr. Tweedy, when he discovers the chickens working on the plane, he's like, the tools, you thieving little buggers. <laughs> that, just the way he, he says it. I don't know. Mr. Tweedy, is, he's a goat. Oh, yeah. My favorite. Well, with honestly, it was every time he'd like see them and he was like, the chickens, they're doing something. And she's like, they're not doing anything. They're being chickens. And he was like, so any other time he'd be like, it's not real. They're not doing anything. They're just chickens. They're just chickens. <laughs> yeah i mean he he is just so broad in his stupidity that um a moment i i think what appealed to me about the the thieving little buggers line is like he's he's finally sort of like had it <laughs> he's just he's it's the last straw for him and now he's going full rage mode <laughs> Which time for, for the pie is, machine it's like he's such a mild mannered like you know but but like repressed um browbeaten farmer like old timey farmer on the in the delve and now he's he's turned into like full pow camp uh sergeant schultz or whatever from hogan's heroes i know nothing <laughs> Well, that's I was like, he's just, he's emasculated. He's emasculated by his wife. And he's like, you know yeah. what? I'm done with this. That's right. <laughs> that, well, that, I would say that, and like the chickens doing Taekwondo moves, it reminded me of Mulan. And yes. I imagine, I'm like, I know it probably, because Mulan came out right. before that movie. And so I was like, was that, so I was like, is that a nod to Mulan? But I do, apparently one of the people on their crew was a Taekwondo instructor. Yeah. And so they like snuck a little in there, but I was like Mulan immediately. I was like Leonardo DiCaprio, Mulan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, they'd almost get dinged, I think by some people for, you know, the, Oh, it's a, you know, a, a cheap racial joke or something, you know, having the little sting of some, uh, you know, Asian music play while they're doing the martial arts move, but it's, it's so, I don't know. It's, it's not disrespectful at all. And it's just so brief as it's, it's, it's kind of fun. Um, yeah. Everyone can do Taekwondo, even chickens. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not like, you know, Mickey Rooney and, you know, breakfast at Tiffany doing yellow face type of, you know making fun of all other cultures it's yeah or the aristocats <laughs> oh, geez, yeah oh. I, still still one of my favorite movies i but watched if you that recently play it and, back, and i'm like chopsticks and the little yep my mom yep. was like what does it say and i i recited it to her she's like oh and i was like y'all didn't catch that you didn't catch that 
You're like, honey, it's the nineties. We're just going to do what we want. You watch this cat movie, baby. (laughs) Yeah. And frankly, like it is possible for something to be too British. Like, I love the fact that British humor is, is very intelligent and wry and it you know, relies on wit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like Believe me, sometimes... I watched The Office the first time and I did not understand <laughs> it. I was like, I don't I don't I don't understand. And he yeah. was like, oh, yeah, you don't get the British stuff. And I was like, sometimes no. it gets just too <laughs> esoteric and just too, too dry. And I'm glad like you have things here that make it feel more familiar, like the Rocky character, you know, he's American. He's he's a doofus. He speaks basically exclusively in cliches, especially while he's like coaching the the chickens. Uh, hard work, perseverance, and uh, hard work. <laughs> you said hard work twice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like, like, you need double the hard work as perseverance, and they're like some of the chickens are like nodding, like he's like any middle middle school coach that you've ever had, like. So there's just a lot of injection of, you know, more American style humor in, in, in a lot of cases. And, and yeah, just like having a little bit of the soundtrack kind of, you know, be ha- have like a little Asian spice in it or whatever references to. I mean, there's so many references to other film scores here um, that is just too many to really name. But um it is such a rich text, um, you know, and even like, you know, the, the fact that it's it it is so reminiscent of the score for The Great Escape, you know, the Elmer Bernstein uh, is selling it short of the way it it also is kind of doing a, a, a montage basically of. Uh, review throughout cinema history um (laughs) like there's references to jaws and references to um oh shoot um what was um it's like italian or french french films and uh there were a couple that were kind of impressive but um Anyways, I'll just uh, <laughs> I'll let people discover it for themselves. Uh, we gotta watch it soon, though. Apparently, the first one's soon from Netflix. Oh yeah, hopefully, get on there. Hopefully, I'll get this episode <laughs> up before it leaves Netflix. But uh, worst I case, guess they the, can watch the new one. Sequel, yeah. Uh, I'm excited to watch the sequel now. I feel like I've refreshed my love for it. I don't want you guys to give any spoilers, but would you mm-hmm. give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Yeah, it was cute. I liked it. I can't say. It's yet. cute. <laughs> Philip's like, I'm going to keep that as a surprise. I, yeah, I haven't finished it. Yeah, I, I thought it was it was amusing, especially because now there's like a kid. And I'm like, yeah, kids. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> kids. I'm sick of kids and I've only had one for six weeks. That's what I told you, don't, don't get tricked. Uh, don't get tricked. Don't make your decision about it anymore yet. <laughs> Give it time. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I know I, I guess I host the show and I tend to hog the conversation a little bit. I mean, it it's is my birthday, birthday today. You're allowed to <laughs> yeah, do it's your birthday. You want. It's your birthday podcast, podcast. So apologies. I, you know, if, if any of y'all um, have a bit more to add as we wrap up final thoughts, um, I'll shut up 
for a few minutes and feel free to um go off but um yeah what uh what what all have we missed is there anything and uh yeah final thoughts from you two bridget and jody well i had a joke that i wanted to throw in like why did the piece <laughs> of bubble no 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 sorry sorry <laughs> how did the piece of bubble gum cross oh no 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 why did the piece of bubble gum cross the road why did the piece of bubble gum cross the road because it was stuck to a chicken yeah the chicken's foot all right you know what I don't have anything else to say, but that was my I, I joke thought, I wanted to throw in. So if Bridget has a better joke to wrap up with. I don't have any chicken related jokes, uh, but I did want to talk about, so you said that their teeth were weird. So yeah. apparently, so you know how they kept like uh, Rocky and Ginger were like, oh, we're going to kiss. And then they wouldn't kiss. So apparently that was intentional because the directors were like, hmm, Beeps? we think it looked like you never see them like kiss because they're like oh it, it would be really weird to see chickens kiss because they have beaks but you know give them teeth <laughs> go off I guess um so when they actually like so they're like oh we'll just do it as like a running gag so at the end when they do finally kiss they like intentionally made sure you couldn't see their beaks because they thought people would think it was weird so I was like that was related to your teeth comment to me so <laughs> it was a fun fact that is yeah I mean they do successfully kiss but you don't really see the geometry of it. Uh, so they just, boop, boop, I guess, I don't know. That's gotta be a, a kink for someone <laughs> just like, just, just the sheer difficulty of it has to make it kind of almost into uh, an increasingly, um, an increase, uh, <laughs> what would you call that? A, a rarefied fetish. <laughs> yeah. Like a curiosity. How, how, how would, how do you even do it? <laughs> oh, well, I, I mean, the way that I would imagine is they just kind of like peck each other's beaks. I don't know. That's why they call it a peck. <laughs> I, I think it's more of like uh, a tessellation, you know, like the, the two intersect, like, like, you know, uh, <laughs> the two cones sort of lined up yeah. next to each yeah. other. You know, there, there's a lot of side action going on. Yeah, someone has to turn head. It gets very complicated. We yeah, can't you can have sort of rotate to get a little more <laughs> like spice in that, you know, just like, yeah, you, you want to explore all the ways in which two beaks can kind of fit together. <laughs> <laughs> or two become one. I mean, and then chicken, they may not have teeth, but they do have tongues. So, you, you know, you got to work in the tongue in the... <laughs> you got to get past the human teeth, though. <laughs> That's what I was like. They they thought that the kissing would be weird because they have beaks, but not the teeth. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh... Okay. <laughs> so maybe they didn't really go over everything when they storyboarded. <laughs> what if like they finished the whole movie and they're like, you know what? I'm not loving the teeth. <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> We're gonna have to go back. You, you know. Too late now. <laughs> you know though the that that heron in the boy and the heron. I I bet he's in the bear. <laughs> he's he's like a dude who's disguised as a heron. So he's got like real teeth inside that that beak, but no, J Jody has a bootleg yet. Don't tell him. Oh. <laughs> I wanted to cover my ears because that is when I'm super excited. I'm not even gonna like listen to anyone talk about it because I someday somehow it's gonna get on a streaming device, but yeah. not yet. I'm gonna find it. I'm I'm just saying that character definitely has a thing for birds. <laughs> yeah, he he had he definitely had some teeth. That's for sure. Oh, and then another fun fact, uh, the ginger was supposed to have a brother named Nobby, but they thought that that would make the movie, so they took him out. Yeah, he was like, it, 
yeah, they were like, they didn't want it to be too cutesy, I guess. They were like, there's some themes to this movie, but it's fun. But they didn't want it to be like too cutesy. So they took the brother idea out. Uh-huh. There was like some other ones that like some other chickens, but they weren't as important. Yeah. I, they I they weren't to... related. They didn't make the cut. Yeah, no. they just—they were like, no, we don't. I need would them. think there there would be hatchlings at certain points throughout, you know, at the, the very end, the they running have of the. No, I mean like in the actual running of the farm. Um, you would think. Wouldn't, wouldn't there be? But if you only have hens, they don't fertilize their egg, and they when only... you only have an old rooster. Yeah. How do they get more chickens though? I I, I would think that they would hatch. Well, uh, probably not that often. But um, that, that yeah. would just add more, a lot more business to try to have these chicks, you know, that they would occasionally prop up. Yeah. Well, and I think like maybe the reason that they did have like an older rooster was because, I mean, their whole like business model at the time was selling eggs. So they didn't want them fertilized. No, but they'd still have to replenish the ones they ate. Um, you could probably just buy it because if, if you're not yeah, eating them all the time you're just eating them when they stop producing you could probably just buy another one that might make more sense yeah um, cost efficient <laughs> yeah. I was say, oh <laughs> that was one of the references it's raining hen Petrus <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, there, there's one good one that more Mac um, uh, let me see if I can find it here the verbatim uh, a Klingon captain, and the engines can't take it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Fowler says, great Scott, which, I mean, Doc Brown from Back to the Future kind of has a monopoly on great Scott now, you know, post Back to the Future, but that was a common expression just in general. Um, well, yeah, because I think that there was another show where they said great Scott a lot, too. I could see. And that. I can't remember what it was. There, there was a show, though, that was older because my mom watched it. But he said Great Scott. Yeah. And it was uh, like and which is probably where they got it from for Back to the Future was because it was like popular in an earlier time. <laughs> it's just a yeah, it's a great expression. Uh, and, and yeah, like th- there's so many kind of like mild uh, exclamations, interjection, you know, in, in this and Britishisms. Um, that mm-hmm. sort of filled the space of, you know, if, if this movie were like PG-13 or whatever, they probably would have used actual curse words, but instead they use things like Bloomin' Heck, you know, Bloomin' Heck, uh, what's another one? Um, eh, but anyways, like, uh, uh, there's the, speaking of references, I don't think I ever caught that the first thing you hear from Rocky is him shouting freedom, uh, which obviously probably most famous moment in Mel Gibson's career is him shouting freedom at the end of Braveheart. So uh, I... Uh, when did Braveheart come out? Uh, prior to this, 96, okay. I think. Yeah. Okay. I, was, I couldn't, I could not remember any of his like, stuff before this i was just like he was he was in movies yeah i was a little young to pick up on that probably as a kid but it was like oh my gosh he's literally quoting his most famous line uh you know right well, away here. i feel like they do that a lot it's like it's, it's for the adults they yeah. add, they add a lot of little things in for the adults because there's some things that i watch back now that i'm like oh i didn't catch that 
yeah. until I got older. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense now. My kids don't yeah. get it. And they're like, what? <laughs> that has been one of my favorite parts about doing the ThoughtCast is like having the opportunity to sort of like revisit these things. And Chicken Run was no exception of like extra joy. I got to as an adult watching it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll uh, look forward to completing the dawn of the nugget in time for our next episode. And I'm hoping to be coming out with uh, more frequent episodes as I get in the mood uh, to podcast. As the winter thaws <clears throat> and you warm yeah. up to it. Get it out yeah. of the sick time of year. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been kind of going through stuff and you know, coming out on the other side of it, you know, just uh, makes me realize the the kind of necessity of, of putting a, a little bit of effort into <laughs> appreciating, uh, you know, the bounty of of life's blessings. And um, if I if I don't take time to like take stock of these things, then then I can really sort of let myself go in in ways in which. I, I just deep down fundamentally don't want to, uh, to, to ever happen again. Um, so we'll you're 32 now you're older, you're yeah. wiser, you're really ready to embrace. Yeah. And I worry just so much about like how I come off in these episodes and I'm like, you know, I want it to be perfect. And it's like, who cares? Um, if it's chicken run, I just want to talk to you and Bridget. Yeah. And like if you're ever like not, feeling like you're embracing life like I'm gonna send you my baby for a couple weeks and, you'll <laughs> and, you'll, and then when, when you send the baby back to me you'll be like oh I can breathe again I can sleep again like I can live so if you ever if you ever need a little help I will FedEx him about eight pounds no, I mean so it shouldn't be too much yeah it's, it's really <laughs> super fast yeah I'm just such a head case that the notion of even you know, being in close proximity to a, a child like that is just, it, it's so far out of the realm of my experience, but the, the hope is. <laughs> Same. Same. Yeah, I've, had, I've had sick kids the last two weekends and I'm yeah. just like. I'm yeah, I, I need living. to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously I've, I've utterly failed in my efforts to live up to, you know, my mantra of let it go and and like as someone who had an existential crisis when hearing Idina Menzel sing in a Disney movie for the first time like <laughs> I, I guess I'm I'm sort of par for the course in terms of my my kind of mental headspace um but I, I would have hoped that more progress would have been made in the 10 intervening years since Frozen came out and uh and instead we maybe years. we don't count the years Philip. Uh, yeah it's uh, yeah in certain ways i've i've certainly regressed uh but you know honestly i think i think everyone is i think everyone our age is just going oh the world's regret that's the thing <laughs> yeah. it's like i i feel crappy about myself but then i look at at like the world and i'm like how is anyone making <laughs> we're all I'm in anyone the in their 30s right now and i'm like you know what i'm right on par yeah, yeah. Exactly. we're all like chaotic neutral out here trying our best 
So yeah, I will throw this out to you all because like now that again, not to make it about the baby, but I guess my life is about the baby. Like babies are not supposed to be like screaming and crying all alone when they're newborn in their crib. And I know for a fact that all of us as babies are set us in the crib, close the door and let us cry and scream. So I think like now it's coming back to haunt us in our thirties, like that treatment as nineties babies you know, we were never taught how to self-soothe. And I think that's coming back to haunt us a little bit here. I mean, crying has always been one of the more therapeutic experiences that that I've endured. But it's just, you know, <laughs> I yeah. I haven't been able to do as much lately just because I haven't been in the mood. It's it's too intense. It's too. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> I don't you know. Just gotta, you just got to make it make yourself do it. You're like, I got to I just got to get it out. <laughs> I guess I am a spicy food fanatic. And... <laughs> yeah, get yourself some peppers, Philip, for your birthday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've I've I realized, you know, in some of my more recent health scares that that that's not a sustainable uh, uh, recourse. <laughs> but it's not something that I'm gonna quite give up cold turkey as of yet. Like, uh, if I ever lose some of my tolerance to spicy food um you know i'm i'm not gonna just drop it completely because <laughs> oh no we're yeah. we're here for a good time not a long time exactly that is life's, life's i say that so good. often and i'm like man if i had a therapist they'd please they'd be like please stop <laughs> well and no. the, the blaze <laughs> like the new reformulated blazing sauce at b-dubs is a plus like it, it's so like I mean, obviously the spiciness is near um, fatal, but the flavor is actually um, I, like I find it impeccable. So speaking, I have of to chicken. try that. I'm a I'm a spicy gal. I, I actually made spicy Korean beef tonight for dinner, Ooh, and it was okay, really good. Then Bridget, I guess I will come over next time you make the spicy beef. <laughs> it's good. I actually got Scarlett so helped good. me make it. She helped me make it and she like tried it because I can't get her to try anything other than apparently chicken, but it was beef. And she was like, <laughs> she was like, I'm afraid to try it. And she was like, it was good. It was a little spicy. And I was like, okay, next time I won't put as many red pepper flakes. <laughs> Cause usually the kids don't eat it. So it was like, it's just spicy. <laughs> More for me. Spicy. Yes. I'm like, I don't care. I, so I put mine in my bowl with my rice and then I put sriracha on top of it. So I- I'm a spice gal. Yeah. I've I've discovered Thai chilies recently, like dehydrated Thai chilies from the Asian uh, grocery store that just opened up in in my town recently. So like uh, those have been kind of a a fun um, little little detour. Um, As long as you stay in moderation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just have one now and then. For yeah. your sanity, probably. Exactly. <laughs> Don't go too hard. No. Well, thank you, you guys. Uh, Formula One season's coming up too, so I'm I'm in good spirits for the you know uh, as a result of that. I recently just re rewatched the entirety of Drive to Survive on Netflix. There's a new season coming out. Uh, I guess the new live action Avatar Last Airbender is coming out on Netflix too. February twenty so third. Yeah. Oh, same day as Drive to Survive. Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> you have I so mean, much to watch that day. <laughs> yeah, Drive to Survive is nice because you can kind of shut your brain off. Uh, it, it, is, it is a bit pulpy, I sh- should I say, as like a, 
kind of reality TV documentary series. So like, wait, it, is this on Netflix? Things. I think on, I just watched it. Yeah, accidentally. Drive to like Survive. Five episodes. Uh, each season has ten episodes. There are five seasons. Well, I watched Not something about some guy named Bubba who threw a watermelon on the ground. Okay. Oh, wait, that's there's, NASCAR. There's a new NASCAR series too. <laughs> that's that's not the same. <laughs> no, in in my depression lately, like I've been, like the you know speaking of like Minecraft videos, I've I've been watching some Let's Plays of some oh, like classic video play. games that that I yeah. I grew up playing, and I, I even played through one of my favorite PS2 games, and yeah, it's it's been it's been a fun kind of uh process <laughs> uh, learning well, if you like race cars so much maybe like your little goal if you like achieve your dreams is that once you achieve your dreams you can go to like vegas and have a race car on a racetrack exactly you know, I'll, I'll be they uh... have a they have a thing in Atlanta and dreddy oh. where you can drive like cars around tracks mm -hmm. fast it's inside yeah fast oh, but fast yeah yeah fast i'll uh <laughs> i'll be so a uh uh a paddock um you know one of one of the regulars on a, a regular uh pest a paddock pest paddock rat there we go um <laughs> all right a anything else to before i sign off here social media you guys um nope Jody starting well, with you? Okay. no i honestly have nothing okay. just my joke uh, <laughs> why i mean <laughs> Yeah, Bridget, go ahead. Oh, Moana. Hold on. Moana 2 coming out. Didn't know there was going to be a Moana 2. Yeah, I was like, what happened to the live action? Which, honestly, I'm not looking forward to. But, yeah, yeah they're like, Moana 2. I was like, okay. Thank you, I guess. Kind of out that. of nowhere, but that's fine. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I'll take that over another live action movie. So mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, but, yeah, my you can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's Bridget5246. That's Bridge with a T. 5246. Yeah. Yeah, the... This turned out to be a bit of a long episode, but uh, <laughs> oh well, uh, it was fun. And uh, yeah, the the whole Moana thing is kind of funny because it's it, it was originally supposed to be uh, a series, a Disney Plus series that they've now converted into this um, theatrical film, which nobody had known about until the <laughs> this latest announcement in the trailer. It was just a total surprise, even though like there had been a Moana sequel, a theatrical sequel announced um, that wasn't scheduled for 2024. Uh, and and the only reason we're getting a Moana sequel now theatrically in 2024 is because what was once a Disney Plus um, series production is is now uh full on uh disney animation i i suppose it'll be what the 63rd or 64th uh disney animated feature officially um i, I i'm i'm guessing the the scale and scope they they are pretty high quality those disney plus series and and they'll probably even spice it, spruce it up a little more uh for the theaters even than than they have currently but yeah kind of cool uh to, to see that but uh, who knows maybe a bit cynical as well Do you, what what was the next disney animated film supposed to be do you know is it was it frozen no <laughs> not sure no. I, uh, i'm not sure what it's supposed to be next yeah upcoming disney anime animated 
features because the uh, um, inside oh, out too oh yeah that one is getting it's a, a lot pixar of that's that's a pixar um mm. i thought there was maybe some obscure sounding um there is it's about a kid like a, a boy uh we've talked about yeah. it I don't know what oh. it was called though. Um, because yeah, there's Pixar, the Pixar movie Inside Out 2. Yeah. Which honestly, if they bring everyone back, I'm here for that. Um, the Mufasa movie, which in live action, I don't care. Um, Elio. It's about yes. the boy. Yes. Um, how do you spell that? E L I O. But that's slated for 2025. Okay. June of 2025. And but that is gonna be a feature. So yeah, there's and there's a official teaser so far or for elio i actually have not seen any i i've kind of fallen away i i'm probably not even going to renew my d23 subscription tragically this year it's just I've, i'm i don't know i need to be a bit more judicious about my spending and stuff and it's just i i don't think i've ever really seen the uh, at least in the past few years you know being in minnesota and such i just um, I have no plans to go to D23, uh, the next convention. So it's like, I don't know. I, I'm, I need to learn to let things go <laughs> clearly. <laughs> so, or just take uh, a little breather from it. And exactly. It's yeah. Totally it's not the end know. of the world. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, yeah, the, those are some cool magazines, those publications that they send every quarter, but I, oh gosh, I, I've barely cracked them and I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to read more. That's a thing, you know, another big therapy thing for me, but um, yeah. yeah, And that's been working um, somewhat just trying to, because it's, it's very relaxing for me if it's the right book. Uh, If it's not the right book, then it's, um, it's like then it's thrown to the side. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I'm in all these mom groups, so I only hear about smutty books these days. (laughs) I don't get to read anything because my kids hate me. Oh, actually, I do get to read manga because they're much quicker to read. But that's about it. You need quick books, like you need the quick books. (laughs) Yeah, I can read. I can read manga, but those a lot of it is pictures, so you can get through it a lot quicker. Um, But yeah, it's just smutty Colleen Hoover books. That's all I hear about, and I'm like, no. Yeah, twenty twenty four. Read something fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's a, a year to let things go, and uh if the there turns out that if it turns out to be something that i really need in my life then i can bring it i can let it back in it'll still be there it'll still be there um all right well thank you so much bridget and jody um find thodcast uh thodcast.com at thodcast on twitter x and instagram and all that good stuff at, at Philip Elke on the socials uh, is where you can find me, uh, Philip Elke. And on the Thodcast thod <laughs> uh, conversations about animation. And it's been a fun chat about a true classic. And we'll be back with some more Thodcast. And I promise... Um, I've had so much fun today. So thank you so much, guys, that um, I won't allow nearly as much time to pass before we do it again provided you know you all have the time to 
step away from motherhood because uh, um, that... <laughs> yeah, we got we have to give Jody some adult uh, interaction. I love it. I'm like, <laughs> right now, like I'm gonna go yeah. jump off the roof and die happy. I should not make jokes like that, but this was definitely fun, and I'm excited to hop oh. back and record. Yeah. again in the near future we, we've been on for two hours here but i promise next time you know it'll it'll be a bit shorter and uh no it won't we just no, there's won't. a lot don't, to don't say lie. stop lying well, <laughs> I, well if you hey if, if you if you don't mind i mean it's, I it's okay but like yeah i i, I don't want to inconvenience so i'll you know maybe i'll make some friends online who run podcasts um uh businesses and try to like submit something a, a reel to, to help get some income because like i don't know it's the whole um I, the, the, I i have a hard time seeing any potential uh you know i i, I want to treat you guys well that's the thing so um may, maybe maybe we'll see something in terms of like you know sponsorships or who knows uh what'll happen because um you know that that'll that'll just be a, a bright spot in everyone's day hearing another ad on a podcast if it <laughs> ever comes to that so uh so look forward to that if it ever happens no <laughs> all right well thank you so much for listening to the podcast and uh you all uh enjoy the the rest of your winter like a piece of gum stuck to a chicken's foot as you endure <laughs> the crosses at roads <laughs> uh, the crossing of the road into hopefully warmer uh greener path. the grass is always greener on the other side you know yeah and uh have a magical day have a wonderful week warm hug